Welcome to Club Management. You can find me here on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash clubmanagement1. We're also on Mixcloud, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. Just type in Club Management wherever you get your podcasts. Please, if you'd like to make a donation, please do at patreon.com slash clubmanagement1. This is episode 17. And guess what? I'm still in New York City. It's been about four months now, and, um, you know, I've never been home this long to see the seasons change, but I'm grateful. Luckily, everyone is safe, and we're managing day to day. Little did I know, though, there were tons and are tons of folks just like me, stranded in different parts of the world, waiting to return back to China or waiting to fly home and meet with their families and loved ones. Shanghai-based DJ and producer Narja was stuck in Taipei for a month as the situation grew worse in China. He decided to return back to his home in Atlanta, not realizing what was to come. Worried that he would not be able to find work in the U.S., Narja raced back to Shanghai to wait out the storm. We were very unsure about work and returning back to Shanghai. So I made the decision to return back to the U.S., to Georgia. And I was there for a month, and it was fine at first. As time progressed, it developed more in the U.S. That's when it started getting bad. And I left right before it actually got really bad. And that was around March 20th. We flew from Atlanta to from Atlanta to San Francisco. And some of the things I realized were a lot of people who were traveling through the airport weren't wearing masks or didn't have anything. So me, I had lots of wipes and hand sanitizer and masks on me, and I was fine. I was trying to stay away from people, but a lot of people didn't have anything. I was kind of scared just to be around people, but everybody thought it was fine. And the airport was very empty, so it was very easy for me to stay away from people. I was in San Francisco waiting, staying away from people. I had an 11-hour layover, so I basically stayed in the same chair. And then I came back through Korea, and a lot more people were wearing masks. And I was very happy about that because I think over there, a lot more people know the dangers of what was happening, what was going on. And then I came back to Shanghai and it was kind of rough. I ended up being quarantined in a hospital for a little bit because they wanted to run some extra tests and all of, well, all of my tests turned out fine. Nothing happened. I was good. Overall, it was fine. After that, I did my 14 days at home, and all I did basically was work out and try to eat as healthy as I can. And I'm very fortunate for how it was handled. Luckily, music has always been a way for me to bounce back from adversity. You know, I'm no stranger to it. And rapper Hasten Chang from Hong Kong also knows what it's like to have to shift course too. 
He DM'd me on Instagram a few weeks back looking to come on the show and share his story. And once I got to digging into his music and learning a thing or two about his backstory, he's made one hell of a comeback. You have a really interesting backstory as well. Um, and I was reading... Yeah, I'd like to say so too. Yeah, I was reading on your, your Instagram the other day that you said two years ago you had to turn down seven college offers to the U.S., which is crazy. I did. Yeah, tell us about that. I did. Well, it's like... Um, well, it's a, it's a really long story, so I have to start at the beginning, honestly. Yeah. That's okay with you. Yeah. Like, so... I'm from Hong Kong, right? And um, I left left Hong Kong when I was ten because my parents got divorced, and my mother, my mother, uh, like she was a single mother then, and she took my brother, who was two at the time, and me. So it was just the three of us. We moved to Shanghai when I was like eleven, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, so we lived in Shanghai all the way up until I was sixteen. And like through those years i went to a like a boarding school in shanghai like, it was like a very serious academic school you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they trying to get everybody into like ivy league schools and stuff like that like it was like a really strict like, academic thing you know mm-hmm. so that was that was most of my life most of my early life and like i played the cello and shit like, i played the cello for 10 years mm-hmm. so like it was a very different path you know mm-hmm. and um but basketball has always been like a a very serious pursuit for me like a like a real passion I, I invested a lot of years in the basketball and when i was 16 i got i got kicked out of that school in shanghai because my mother was like really late on the tuition and it couldn't let me go back anymore so one of my coaches who was spanish he, he gave me like he helped me link up for an offer to go to this academy in, in the canary islands in spain like a basketball academy one of the one of the top teams in europe actually and they've like they've sent over 40 division one players to the u.s so like they, they trained over 40 european or asian players and they sent them to like ncaa division one so that was like that was my dream the whole time to play college basketball so i i, I made i made the move there when i was 16 and i stayed there for three for three years so my whole goal there was just to like get the best grades possible and like try to get a get a college offer to play basketball college basketball like that was a dream you know it was just a it was a, it's a blur now that i think about it but it was it's a crazy two three years like i woke up at five every day to train and then like go to school study and uh go back lift weights and then train again like a team training it was it was crazy so i i ended up applying to a bunch of bunch of colleges in the u.s because, you know, that was always the plan. Mm-hmm. And so I've gone to those seven or eight schools, seven or eight schools, seven of those were scholarships. Mm-hmm. Partial and some partial, some full. Mm-hmm. So I was actually supposed to go to college um, in like the September of 2018. But because of my of our situation financially and back home, and my mother just couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to like ask for, I had to ask for a gap year. And I stayed in Hong Kong. And um, at that time, she just started like a, a business, like a family business, a food, like a food import and export company. And I had to really stay by her side and help her build it up, like build it from the ground up, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that was when I, that was when I started to make music. Like I, I just was just messing around and dropped a song, and the reactions that I got from it just it was kind of like a sign that that was what I was meant to do, you know. 
Yeah, so one gap year turned into a second gap year. I'm on the second gap year right now. Yeah, and I, I love that. I think I um, I was drawn to your story, too, because I identify with that as well, about, like, being thrown off my course <laughs> of path and then having to readjust and realizing that maybe that's the path that I should have been following the whole entire time. Facts. Yeah, so... But, you know, I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer in, like, the, the universe and in, in God, you know? Like, I'm a spiritual person, and I just believe that. Like, nothing happens on accident, you know? I think everything happens for a reason. Mm. Um, it's quite interesting. I know that you talk about basketball playing a vital role in your life, but I'm wondering how yeah. hip-hop has kind of worked as a tool of expression for you, especially in a place like Hong Kong where, for lack of a better term, things tend to be a bit censored. So, um, yeah. like, what, what were some of the influences that were or are shaping your sound? For sure, that's a great question. Um, well, you gotta understand that hip hop has been a part of my life since I was 12. And um, it's because the, actually a lot of Asian kids, like Chinese kids around my age, they were, like a lot of them are influenced by black culture. You know, it's crazy because the internet has like is, is brought us so close as, as, a, you know, as a species, I feel like. Like a lot of black people, they, they watch Japanese cartoons, anime, Right. you know? And like a lot of Chinese kids, they, they all love hip hop. Like all they listen to is hip hop. And I was one of those kids too, you know? But the the main reason I started listening to hip hop was, um, like, like I said, my parents got divorced when I was younger. So it was like, it was it was pretty tough on me. Cause back then I only played the cello, you know? Like that was the, that was the only music I had in my life. Like just classical music, like Bach and like, like jazz, like all that stuff, Mozart. Like I was sick of it. And my, my mother got me a laptop when I was 12. 12 to 13 she got me a laptop and you know i just did a lot of exploring you know and i just stumbled upon lil wayne i remember a lil wayne mixtape the carter and it was crazy because back then i didn't even i didn't even speak english that well you know so you at that time i was in i was in shanghai i didn't even speak english that well so were you like teaching yourself how to speak english through hip-hop essentially well i really i really i really spoke english like my mother made sure i, I was a kid who could speak english it's just but I was never comfortable with it. It was never something I was proud of, you know? Like, it was never something like, like, oh, I speak English. Like, it was just never cool to me until I discovered hip-hop. You know what I mean? Through, through my early life, I was always attracted to, like, poetry and stuff like that as a kid, like, raw dollars. So I was just so into rhyming. And that was, like, a, it was, like, one of my gifts. I, I identified it when I was young, just rhyming. Like, it was really effortless to me, like, compared to other kids. Yeah. So... I was listening to Lil Wayne, and what I did was I used I used to like go on those lyric websites and just break down everything, you know, like the whole song, just read all the lyrics. And he brings up like how he was raised by a single mother and stuff like that, you know. And to me, it was like, oh my god, like this is a this is a whole story, like this is a whole story to this man's life, and I could relate to that. Like I'm not a gangster. But I could relate to this part of it, you know. Mm, yeah, man, that's what music does. I think that we all find a little bit of something that we can identify with in the in the artists that we like and the artists that we love. Yeah, um, for sure. So I love that. You know, this I want to backtrack a little bit to talk about you know how the lives of everyone, but probably in particular a lot of the, the family from the Asian diaspora is being affected by this coronavirus there's been a lot of fear directed towards chinese or other asian ethnic groups what are your thoughts yeah. going on right now with 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 all this with all this hysteria 
No, well, I haven't really experienced any of the racism in person because, like, I live in a we live in a monoracial society here, you know. But I've I've seen I see like the hate everywhere from like on the internet in in the U.S. and it's actually crazy. But at the same time, it doesn't really phase me, you know, because I feel like like um, there's a lot of biggest exist, you know, like a lot of ignorance in the world. It doesn't really phase me because I know like equally there are good people. Who are accepting and loving, so it's just you know. But we, I think we live in a great time where ignorance is called out as soon as it's identified. You know,、mm-hmm. like there's no tolerance for the, to to let it exist. Even with even with racism against black people nowadays, like it's just not tolerated anymore.、Mm-hmm. So I think we live in a great. We actually live in a great time. Contrary to what the media tries to portray, I think we actually live in. It's actually the best time to be alive. You know. So too, and you know, like I've been,、yeah. I've been talking with some other artists that are saying like this lockdown has been particularly interesting because it's given people a new way to kind of adapt and figure out how to get their content out there, and you know, coming with more, <laughs>、uh, coming up with more exciting ways on how to create content.、Um, so first, I want to talk a little bit about、uh, your your project that dropped. I want to say around six months ago. The do rags and chopsticks、yeah. uh, EP、yeah. that's really awesome. Did you produce this on your no, own? Those are those are those are all producers that I linked up with,、nice. like on YouTube or on Instagram. But that was a long time ago. Now I now I've got like producers trying to hit me up every day, sending me beats and all that that I don't have to pay for. <laughs> so it's crazy. But that was that was back then. That was like when I was on YouTube, just downloading beats and like trying to link up with producers and stuff.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was. It was a very hard time in my life because I had only dropped two songs back in January, and I I didn't have enough money to work on any other music. Like we we there was a time where we barely had money to eat, so it was crazy. It was a crazy crazy time we lived through. Like every like I had to get a job, and like everything I earned from the job I had to give to my mother to pay rent for our office space for the family business. So I, like I didn't have anything. Like I couldn't spare anything to. To work on music, you know,、and、I couldn't borrow money from anybody, so it was just I had to wait it up. And through that period, I just write crazy, like a crazy amount of songs. Like I would work on like a song a, a day, and I probably stuck to like fifty, sixty songs by the time it was like summer. Yeah, and it's crazy because like my laptop, my laptop broke, so I couldn't record anything. It was just like songs written over beats. I couldn't record anything. And when I finally had the money. I just did it. I just did it one by one. I just chose the the nine, like which I feel like were matched my current situation the best, and I just recorded it, mixed it, put it together, and just you know dropped it. And that was an, an amazing feeling because I waited for it. I waited like so long for it. The cover is um one of my best friends, Matteo Stricker. He plays he plays bas he plays prep school basketball in New Jersey for the Patrick School. And the reason he's on the cover is because he he was the one who really like encouraged me to rap in the first place, you know. So that's why he's on the cover. And I actually shot the cover too. It was back when we were living together in the basketball days when we were in the Canary Islands. So I shot that too. I'm very big into I'm very big in on photography. Yeah, I saw that on the on your Instagram. You got a lot of great、um, content for the music videos.、Uh, did you direct those as well?、Uh, I'd say co-directed. Those are my. That was from my friend Joshua. Somebody else, like another artist that I met in Hong Kong, we just met up and we just, just like we clicked, 
and I just told him I wanted to shoot a video with him, and it just, that's how it came about. And that, that video did a lot for me too. It helped me make a lot of strides in the city, in the local scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw um, Machete in particular, which is a, a, one of my favorite tracks off the Durags and Ch- uh, Chopsticks uh, project. Got a little nod from Doughboy. Huh, my Charlotte Machete. I should cut her off, shit I'm too petty 19 and getting to it, I was born ready Maxed out my mama's cars and got my heart heavy Yeah, that's a, he's the top dog in the city And I've been following him since I was like 17 Just trying to like DM him, get his attention, like petty stuff like that That was long, that was a long way Then to have him follow back and like shout me out and stuff, it was, it was like, it's crazy how it doesn't even feel like anything now, but like, if I, if I were to tell myself when I was 17, like, that's crazy, you know? Yeah. And he sent me beats too. I really have two songs done. What? Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I'm really trying to, like, respectfully, I'm really trying to overtake him. Like, I'm trying to <laughs> be way bigger than him. It's, like, seriously. Man, it's possible, you know, and to see that, to hear your story and your work ethic, that's crazy. So that's definitely my goal. Like, I'm not really... Like I think what what separates me from most artists, like not just in Hong Kong, like in China and in, in the US too. It's just like everything I've been through to get to this point, you know? Like I applied the work ethic I had for basketball into music and that's why I feel so I feel so unstoppable in a way, you know? Because it's just like the, the thing the story I have to tell, the things I went through is just unmatched. You know, I feel like there's no way I there's no way I'm not gonna make it. At least in Hong Kong, you know? Like, to make it in Hong Kong in the same way Doughboy has, is already a given to me. Like, that's already, like... Like, I already know that's gonna happen, but... But, like, in China, in Asia, and maybe in the US in, in a few years, that's... That's the... Well, maybe it's possible, but... Making it in Hong Kong is already, like, it's decided for me. Like, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I think that's huge in itself. What I hear from a lot of buddies um, in China, period, is that some artists feel like there's no market yet for what they want to do or they feel like they're not getting enough exposure until they're able to reach like a North American audience but you know I feel like that's not the case anymore no it's not the case I think that's just a personal issue you know maybe maybe it's selfish for me to feel this way but I feel like everything is aligned for me really mm. honestly because I'm, I'm only 20 and I've only been doing this for a few months you know and all this is just beginning so it's just it's sometimes it feels like it's all meant for me, yeah. really. Like in the in the in the most humble way, in the most humble way too. Of course, you know I think that's important, and it's okay if you wanna if you feel proud about that. It's okay to speak on it because it's something that you worked hard for. I want to talk a little bit about Chengdu because it's a crazy city. I'm always throwing events there, and uh, you know, kind of doing some hip hop events every now and then with. Uh, the Swag Alien crew out there, but also it's the home of the Higher Brothers. You've got some other excellent, excellent cats out there in the hip hop community as well, like J Mac, who you have, who has a feature on the track Weightlift, yeah. a favorite of mine. Yeah. How'd you link up with J Mac? I just DM'd him, sent him an email. Hey, do you want to hop on this? And he just said, sure. Sure, that's it. But Chengdu is a crazy scene. Like, it's another level from Hong Kong for sure. Like, those guys are, like, beasts. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, 
like I have mad respect for their skills. It's just crazy, and it's just the overall way tougher environment than Hong Kong. I feel like it's just like a like a war zone there. Another track that I want to talk about is Porsche Panamera. Yeah, um, that's my fa- that's probably one of my favorites too. I like that, that one made. too. What's the story about this one? It's like ten at night with a friend on my camera, reminiscing about the days of mine. Push the Panamera. Those are good days, but I know they won't be the best. And every time we catch up, they said that I need a rest. But as far as my story goes, I look up to Drake knowing he sends us roles like I relate to that most. Can't help but feel that's just like, like my, when I was young, my parents had money, you know, like when I was young. My parents were like newlyweds. They had, they were sitting on a lot of money, and like they just had. Like when I was born, we lived in a, a mansion. They had, they drove like multiple sports cars, you know. And it's just, but it's crazy because everything was downhill from there in their marriage and in our life. So it's just a song about like how, like eventually I want to get us back to that. To that point in life, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just like my my mother made a lot of sacrifices for us to to just be where I am today. And it's just about how she she used to be like we used to have nice things, you know. It's just about like one day getting those nice things back, being able to provide that back. It's just a lot of memories. It's like a a song where I'm just you know expressing my memories in a way that I feel like it's Listening to a good song, you know. Yeah, man, I uh, I identify with that so much because I actually have a similar backstory with, you know, finances doing well with the family, and then all of a sudden things kind of take a turn for the worse. So I find myself also having to carry this burden of being the next generation to make it and and you know build yeah. some sort of wealth for the family. So, um. Also, I want to talk about this 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 lockdown period in, in general. How are the things going on right now in Hong Kong? Is everything okay or somewhat normal? Yeah, it's been it's been the fifth consecutive day with like no cases, no new cases. So things are looking up. Hopefully for the rest of the world soon too. But I can't lie, it's been it's been it's been kind of nice being able to. Like stay at home and having the pace of life slow down because usually it's like a really fast-paced lifestyle over here, you know. So just just have people chill a little bit. It's nice in a way. Also, Hong Kong is like not a cheap city either, like New York, right? So everything's expensive. It's crazy expensive. Rent and everything is crazy expensive. But I'll tell you this: if you if you have money and you're living in Hong Kong, it's like it's it's a playground. It's a playground for the rich. There's a huge. Community of expats here, like a lot of Europeans, they just got a job here. They just settled down here, have a family. It's crazy. Like they got a house, they got a car, they got a beautiful wife, and then like you can drive down to the beach. Like you live near the beach, it's it's, it's crazy. So there's a there's a lot of levels of life here. Yeah. Just about it's just about how lucky you are, really, or how hard you work to get to wherever you are to that point yeah what are some things i mean you say you've got a, a track bubbling up with uh another one bubbling up with who did you mention i'm sorry Doughboy. no but that's I, I i have a lot of things going on actually it's just about it's almost too much i have to really like 
schedule things right so I don't I don't rush anything really because I'm sitting on too much stuff so up, up next so there's an, a producer called ATO Nuke from Atlanta and he's worked with artists from Taiwan he's also worked with um, the High Brothers too and he used to tie with Metro Boomin Sunny Digital like these are these are producers he's he's worked with too so I'm excited to work with somebody like this you know, he put me on a he put me on the next his mix his next mixtape, and there's gonna be the Higher Brothers on it. So it means a lot to me. It's a big step for me. Yeah, that's huge in terms of exposure. What are your thoughts on? I don't know if I'm pronouncing this cat's name right, but TX Miyama. What are your thoughts on him? Ah, him. He's, yeah, Tamiyama. Oh, he's, he's a yeah. The X is just like a style of this thing. Oh. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's his real like, name is it. Yuri. His real name is Yuri. He's a real cool guy. Oh, nice. It's nice that it's nice that you do your research on the local scene. Yeah, too. I have to. He's got a couple of bangers. I like his his music. Um, yeah, yeah, he's 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 dope. We we his one of his best friends shot my first music video and also my like a mini documentary about me. Nice. Oh, the, so the documentary um, that's on your Instagram that that's something that an affiliate made. Yeah, that's yeah, that's um, that's shot by Tamiyama's best friend, one of his best friends. He's a video, a very well-known videographer in Hong Kong on the local scene. Nice. So he shot a series. He shot a series called The Come Up, and there's three episodes, and I'm one of them. You know, as like a featured artist on The Come Up. So yeah, but he yeah he 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 gave me a shout out too. He gave me a co-sign. That that meant a lot, because he's also another artist I hit up like two years ago trying to get a feature. That one, I didn't really have anything going on for myself. Yeah. And he hit me back up. He was, he was like, he was like, I knew your name is familiar, and it's just telling me to keep going and stuff. And like, invited me. He invited me to his studio someday to link up. If it was me asking people for features, I'd be too scared to. <laughs> oh, it's, I think it's because I've really been at a point in my life where I had nothing to lose anymore. You know. Like I were, like I was supposed to go to college. Like I kind of, I, I didn't. I don't. I have hope. I might still go to college, but there was a point where I just felt like I didn't. Like I just lost everything, and it's just I wasn't scared to, to just get things. Like there was nothing to lose from there, you know. So that's where people say it's courage, but it's really I don't care anymore. Like I don't care about, like, losing, in a way. You know what I mean? Like I don't care about failing. Oh, yeah. I think I also reached that point a little bit where, like, moving to China four years ago, I was like, all right, well, I'm not missing so much here in America. That is a crazy move, for real. Props to you. Because not a lot of people have the guts. I, I know some people, but, like, it's a special breed of people who have the guts to move from, like, the U.S. to China. Also, like, uh, when I tell people, obviously, like, having to learn a new language, learn how to navigate in a whole new world, a whole foreign world was crazy for me but it's worth it and it's a it's a hell of a hell of a story to tell because i know how hard it is for i know a lot of americans and most of them are like too close-minded to ever <laughs> think anything about asia like to them asia is just like a like a like a fairy tale land really yeah and they don't want to learn anything about it but it's it's you know the i always respect the american people or europeans who catch on to what's going on here yeah and also like you know just talking to how 
like talking to you about how you know for me and you who've come from the struggle and literally dedicated our lives to our art as a way to you know prosper and take us to to something that we could possibly succeed in like that story is is something that we can connect with no matter where you live you know everybody has some struggle that they're you know trying to grapple with and they're, they're trying to succeed so that's something that should be doesn't matter where you come from it just should something that connect that should connect us all you know yeah i think we're at a point as a like as a as a society a human race i don't think like where you're from or the color of your skin really matters anymore mm-hmm. you know with the internet really bringing everything everything together like there's it's just it's really it's honestly really stupid to keep like dividing people like, it's nice to be proud of where you're from. Like, like never forget where you're from. But at this point, it doesn't doesn't really matter where you're from. Like, Rich Brian, he's from Indonesia. I never thought anybody would make it out of Indonesia for hip hop. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's crazy. Like, this, I have so much respect for that guy because growing up, the whole image of Indonesians in Hong Kong is just like, oh, you're a you're a domestic worker, or you're like, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, you don't ever like people, especially in Hong Kong, they don't ever think like. They don't think much of Indonesians, and I never liked that growing up. So, to see somebody, to see a teenager from Indonesia make it that far is like I have so much respect for that guy. Really, like he's he's been at like at Rolling Loud. He's he was supposed to perform at Coachella. You know, having the collaborations he's had, it's in, like it's insane, and it's, it also shows like what's possible. You know, if you really have a plan and just know what you're doing. Yes, very true, you know, and just and stick with it, you know. I think that's the thing that really uh, shies people away from continuing on their, their path is that they feel like, you know, the content that I'm putting out is not good enough or, you know, why would anyone want to listen to me? But you just have to keep putting shit out. That's the key. And I think I'm very lucky in that department too because I never had that, I never had that issue. Like I, never had an, I never had issues where, like, people were in, weren't uh you know asking for more weren't reacting positively it's crazy yeah what are your um that's how that's mm-hmm. no it's just, that's just how like because when i played basketball it was always like there were always people telling me that oh you're, you're you're not really big enough to make it to that next level like i've always had doubt you know mm-hmm. going my way but it's crazy that with music there's never been doubt like from day one from day one it's been like oh my god you're so dope like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've never, it's crazy that I've never had that doubt. Like, I've never received, like, negativity. Well, lately, I've started to. So that's, a, but that's a good sign, like, in a good way. Well, what kind of negativity? Tell me about that. Well, I, there's just some people that talk about, like, how, how come you're, you say you're, you're from Hong Kong, but you're rapping Mandarin. Mm. You know, like, just in a, in a, in a salty way. But, like, I, I saw that coming, like, two years ago. Because it's just the situation is so sensitive here politically with mm-hmm. like China and stuff. Right, right. But that's not my audience, you know. Like, like the the audience I aim for, I know they're intelligent enough to like tell the difference and know that it doesn't really matter. Do you think if you rapped in Cantonese, your audience would be bigger? Or no, I I chose not to deliberately. Mm-hmm. I could have, but I chose not to because the market for Cantonese rap is so small. It's just if you want to, because the music business, you make money from like shows doing shows and how many fans can relate to your content you know right and if i rap in cantonese i can only do shows in hong kong or guangzhou 
You know what I mean? Like people, people all around me, they're not really interested in hearing you rap in Cantonese, especially when like there's already enough rappers in Hong Kong that rap in Cantonese. You know. Right. So I've been very, very blessed. So that's like uh, much respect to my mother, cause she saw, she saw like ten years ago what China and its influence could become. You know, so she made sure like her, like I could speak Mandarin fluently. So that's why that's why I moved to Shanghai. So I'm very grateful for that, cause like a lot of my European friends they try to learn Mandarin now. And I'm very grateful that it's just like second nature to me. I'm interested to know more about like how does the label side of things work. Like, let's say if you were to get signed from a label in China and stuff, do they own your creative work and take some sort of percentage, or is it the same of how it works in the U.S.? I'm interested to know. Well, from from what I've heard, labels have a a, a pretty bad reputation over in Asia because they're like. Pretty much like the government, they really like have a. They really look for a strong control. They try to really control a lot of things. Even even here in Hong Kong, like a lot of signed artists, I hear I hear about. They try to get out of their contract as soon as possible. Yeah, man. That's so I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a really blessed position because if we're in a better position financially for my family business, yeah, I'm I'm really in the position to self self fund, you know, to really self fund my dreams. Instead of having to look for a label, because a lot of these artists they end up settling for labels because of like personal financial issues. They start running out of money, and they end up losing their freedom. That's true. Or they feel like they wouldn't be able to access the same resources that, like, on their own, that a label would be able to representing them. So that sucks. But what ends up happening is that you lose all the rights to like your publishing, your masters, yeah. your key ways for you to make money as an artist. So um, it's so important. And I talk to a lot of people about like just remaining in remaining independent at, at all costs because you really want to make sure that you're getting everything. You know? Yeah, I I watch one other thing I do is I watch a ton of interviews. I probably watch hundreds of hours of like interviews. You know, just from from people like Russ. Russ is somebody I really look up to in terms of in that department. Yeah, because he literally he studied the game and literally made sure he had everything that he just could yeah. do everything. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's really somebody. That's really somebody who who really made it in my eyes. All right. Well, wrapping up here. If people want to find you, they want to listen to more of your music. Where do they go? We can go to my Instagram first. C H E N G H A Y C N. And I'm also on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, iTunes. I'm also on NetEase, the Deezer, all that too. I'm really gonna run things up in, in this year, this year though, for sure. Like this is just it's, it's crazy because things have happened so much faster than I expected. <laughs> You're listening to the sounds of Hasten Chang. We're coming out of his Dart Myth Part 1 freestyle. Very, really cool. Um, hey, if you want to check out more about Hasten and what he's doing with his music, you can head over to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash 
Hasten Chang, and he's got his music all over on Spotify. Um, follow him on Instagram too at Chang Hasten. Very cool stuff. And hey, make sure you're following me as well on my Twitter and Instagram at Shannon One DJ on both platforms. Really nice hanging out with you guys for episode 17. Stay on the lookout. We've got more things coming up on the show. Uh, and please, as always, we're always looking for donations to improve the quality of the show and um, provide more content for you guys. So if you could make a donation, that would be great. Patreon.com slash Club Management One.